This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. I'll invite you to turn your Bibles to John chapter 14. We started a series a couple of weeks ago on uh, the Holy Spirit, and uh, I really have in my heart to, to focus on um, the Holy Spirit in you. There's a, a lot of different ways you can approach the, the subject of the Holy Spirit and so forth, but I really want to focus on the Holy Spirit in the believer. And so we're, we're using as a text scripture, John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17, Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, said to his disciples after Judas had left the room, Jesus said, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Now, the word comforter is uh, identified, it's a Greek word paraclete, and it's uh, identified by seven different terms or seven different uh, words in the Amplified. I don't know if I can say them all right off the top of my head, but uh, it's uh, comforter, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby. I think I missed one in there somewhere or another. But anyway, it talks about how that he would be the same kind of comfort that Jesus had been to them for the last three years. And if you read the Gospels, they've been dependent on Jesus for just about everything as far as uh, provision is concerned and natural things, but then also as far as uh, knowledge and wisdom and understanding the things of God. So he says, that's going to be the work of the Holy Spirit. And I will pray the Father and he'll give you another comforter that he may abide with you for a few weeks that he may abide with you until you die and then that's it for the church that he may abide with you forever folks I don't know how people can talk about the work of the Holy Spirit having changed or, or been done away with some of the works of the Holy Spirit being done away with when Jesus said he'd abide with you forever he didn't say he'd work for a little while then leave you on your own verse 17 even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not neither knoweth him but you know him. Now notice the next two things. For he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. He talks about the Holy Spirit in two different functions or two different aspects. Two different ways that the Holy Spirit will work. In you and with you. In you and with you. Now there's a difference between in and with. If I went to the store with you, that doesn't mean I'm in you. But if God is in us, then he's also with us too. So he's talking about two separate functions. And we've talked about this a little bit. We talked about how that Jesus said in John chapter 4, at the woman, the, speaking to the woman at the well of Samaria, he said, He that drinketh of the water that I give him shall never thirst, but that water shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. So he's talking about a, the well of water, the Holy Spirit like a well of water relative to the everlasting or eternal life. But then he said in John chapter 7, in the last day of the feast, the feast week, he stood and cried and said, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He said, Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And then it goes on in the next verse, verse 39, I believe it is, and says, But this spake he of the Holy Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. Now he mentions two different things there. Believing on him, the Holy Spirit talks about those believing on Jesus, and then for those who believe on Jesus. And then, by the way, talking about the day of the Holy Spirit, meaning the day of the church, if you believe on Jesus, you're saved. That's what the Bible means when it says believe on Jesus. It doesn't mean just having heard about Jesus. It means having received him. So it says this is the Holy Spirit that he was speaking of that they which believe on him should receive. Two works. In and with. Now, this morning I want to talk about some, uh, some things relative to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
Because the Bible speaks of the Holy Spirit in you as being salvation and with you the infilling of the Holy Spirit. In other words, a work of the Spirit of God that's not just to benefit you, but to benefit others. There's a power. There's a miraculous ability that's made available by the Holy Spirit being with us. But I want to talk to you specifically about some things relative to being filled with the Spirit or the Spirit with us this morning. And I want you to turn with me to the book of Acts. There are five different times in the book of Acts where it is identified that someone was filled or baptized with the Spirit. Those are interchangeable terms in Scripture. Filled or baptized with the Spirit. Five different times. We want to look at each one of those five and then make some comments. So if you'll turn with me to John chapter, I'm sorry, to Acts chapter 2, we'll start there. Beginning in verse 1, it said, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled. Notice he didn't leave anybody out. Not just the, the, the twelve. They've replaced Judas now with another guy. It's not just the twelve. It's not just the apostles. But it says they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now you know what happens. They, uh, they spill out into the street and it causes a great stir and, and Peter preaches a sermon to them. After he preaches the sermon about Jesus being crucified and so forth, the people cry out and say, well, what are we supposed to do? Notice in chapter 2 in verse 38, Jesus, uh, Peter answers and says to them, here's what you need to do. He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and. Everybody say and. And means something in addition. When he says repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, he's saying here's what you need to do. Number one, you need to get saved. Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Now that's, a lot of times we think of baptism as being water baptism. And very seldom does the Bible in the New Testament talk about baptism in terms of water. It's not talking about being immersed in water. It's not talking about being baptized in water. That's a good thing. That's a ritual and a, and a rite of the church that's, uh, that's profitable. But being baptized in water is just an outward sign of something that's already happened inside. If you haven't already been born again by making Jesus the Lord of your life, then getting into water is not going to save you. If it did, then all you'd have to do is go swimming and everybody would be okay and they'd get to heaven. It's not the water that does anything. The water or the, the, the baptism ritual is just an outward sign of something that's already taken place on the inside. And if it hasn't taken place on the inside, the water is worthless. So where the Bible talks about baptism, most of the times it's talking about being baptized or immersed into the body of Christ, the family of God, not into water. Now there are some exceptions. It talks about some that were baptized in water. And that's fine. Uh, we're not trying to, to, to speak disparagingly of it. But most people see the word baptism and all they think of is water baptism. And it's very seldom what the New Testament is talking about. It's not what Peter's talking about here. He didn't say, let's all go down to the river. He says, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. In other words, be saved. Enter into the family of God by accepting the sacrifice of Jesus for yourself and... Here's something else you need. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy, uh, the Holy Ghost. In other words, when they say their hearts were pricked and they said, Peter, what are we supposed to do? Peter says, here's what you need to do. You need to get saved and filled with the Spirit. Acts chapter 8. We'll read a couple of verses in the, um, uh, the first part of the chapter to set it up. And then we'll read a little bit further down the road. Verse 5, it says, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. We know what that means, don't we? That means he preached Jesus crucified and risen from the dead. 
In other words, he evangelized in the, in the city of Samaria. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits came out with a loud voice, or crying with a loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed. Verse 8, and there was great joy in that city. Goes on to tell us about a guy named Simon. He'll, we'll see him in a minute, but skip with me over to verse 12. But when they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. So we, he's preaching salvation then. Notice the two different ways the Holy Spirit refers to it here in this scripture. But it means the same thing. He's preaching Jesus crucified. He's preaching salvation, a salvation message. When they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Now, what baptism is this talking about? Could it be water baptism? Well, it could be, but it's talking about they got saved. They believed, and so they received. They believed his preaching about Jesus going to the cross and being raised from the dead, and so they were baptized. In other words, they entered into the family of God. They made Jesus the Lord of their lives. They got saved. Verse 14. Now, when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God. Notice the different way the Holy Ghost speaks of it here in this verse. Being saved, being baptized in the name of Jesus, believing the preaching of Christ, believing the preaching concerning the things concerning the kingdom of God, and so forth, is the same as receiving the word of God. Peter said in, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, I think it is, it says, being born again by the incorruptible seed of the word. You're born again by the word of God. So when you receive the word of God concerning Jesus, that's salvation. Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Now folks, let me ask you a question. Aren't you born again by the Holy Ghost? Yeah. You're born again by the Holy Ghost. It's the work of the Holy Ghost that makes you a new creature, that saves you. The remission of sins is salvation. When Jesus breathed on the disciples, or the apostles, in John chapter 20, after his resurrection, he, he, they're behind closed doors. They're afraid of the Jews. They're afraid they're going to be taken captive and, and, and punished and so forth, just like Jesus was. Jesus appears to him and says, Receive the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins you remit, they're remitted. And whosoever sins you retain, they're retained. He's talking about the work of the Holy Spirit in the remission of sin. You're born again by the Holy Ghost. John chapter, uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 5 says, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost when we're born again. That's that new creation work that takes place on the inside of us. So the Holy Ghost has come in them to bring salvation, but they haven't received what's called the gift of the Holy Spirit or the Holy Spirit upon them. The Holy Spirit is not yet with them, only in them. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. Now, whatever somebody, you or me or somebody else might think of why Jesus healed the sick, Matthew 8, 17 tells us why he healed everybody that was sick. Jesus healed all that were sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bear our sicknesses. You're looking in the future for something to happen. You need to turn around and look behind you and what the Bible says has already happened. Because behind you is the cross and on the cross Jesus shed his blood for your sins, for your peace, literally your financial well-being 
and your sickness. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. So the apostles sent Peter and John, who, when they came down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them. Now it's talking about fallen, using the word or term fallen, like, he, like Jesus used the term with you. For as yet he was fallen upon on, uh, on none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. What does that mean? Is that talking about water baptism? Well, it's possible, but specifically it's talking about salvation. They were baptized into the name of Jesus. When the Bible says we are in Christ, that means we're baptized into him. How were we baptized into him? That had nothing to do with water baptism. You can have two people sitting side by side in this room today. They may have been saved for 30 years apiece. One baptized in water and the other not baptized in water. Is one in and one not in? No. Because it's not the outward sign of water baptism. It's the decision that a person makes in their heart to accept Jesus' sacrifice. So it says, He was fallen upon none of them yet. Only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given... He offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Verse 21, Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Now turn with me over to Acts chapter 9. Here's the third experience where somebody is filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 9 tells us about Saul on the road to Damascus. He's on the way to Damascus to persecute the church. He's uh, received letters from the, uh, the high priest and so forth in Jerusalem to put in jail and to persecute and, and to, to have beaten. Anybody that, can, that calls on the name of Jesus, anybody that claims that Jesus is raised from the dead and is the Messiah and so forth, and it tells us about how the, the light that shined round about him from heaven that was brighter than the noonday sun knocked him off of the animal. Jesus is talking to him. Jesus says in verse 4, as Saul fell to the earth because of the light, he heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he says, Who art thou, Lord? This, I love this verse of Scripture because Paul doesn't know who he's talking to. Saul, who becomes Paul, doesn't know yet who he's talking to, but he knows he's God. Who art thou, Lord? Don't know who you are, but clearly you're Lord. And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. This was Paul's oh snap moment. Because he knows that Jesus is the very reason that he's got letters from the high priest to persecute Christians. He's just identified that Jesus is Lord. Whoever you are, you're Lord. Jesus said, it's me, I'm Jesus. Oh. And he trembling and astonished, I guess. And he, trembling and astonished, said, now that he knows who Jesus is, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Now, folks, I would remind you that Paul is the one that writes to the Romans, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, and says that the two criteria, the two requirements to being born again or to being saved, to being baptized into the name of Jesus are very simply this, to believe that God has raised Jesus from the dead, number one, 
Number two, to confess Jesus is Lord. Paul has just done both of those things. He knows Jesus is alive because Jesus is talking to him. And he just talked to him and called him Lord. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Now it tells us about Ananias. How Ananias, is, uh, the Lord appears to him and, and speaks to him and says, Ananias, I want you to go to a certain place because there's a guy named Saul who's been blinded by the glory of this light. Paul says later on, his own testimony is that he's blinded by the glory of the light, not because of sickness or disease, but because the light was so bright it has kept him blind or without sight for the last three days. And the Lord says to Ananias, I want you to go lay hands on him that he might receive his sight. Ananias, not knowing what has happened, says, well, Lord, you sure we want to do that? These are my words, but, but it's, it's accurate. Lord, you sure we want to do that? I've heard about this guy. He's here to persecute the church. We know that he's being sent here to persecute Christians. We know we're in danger from this very guy. Isn't blind exactly where we want him? And the Lord speaks to him and says, No, go your way, because he's a chosen vessel unto me. He says he'll have to carry my name before the Gentiles and before kings. Now, Ananias does the, what the Lord tells him to do. Verse 17, Ananias went his way and entered into the house, and putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul. Now, you wouldn't call somebody brother unless they were born again. So Ananias has enough information to know that Saul has accepted Jesus as his Savior. So he says, Brother Saul. The Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, has sent me. So Jesus has filled him in, hadn't he? He told him what's happened. He sent me for two things. Number one, that thou mightest receive your sight. And secondly, and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales. And he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. Now what does this baptized mean? It doesn't mean baptized in water. It doesn't mean baptized into the family of God because he's already been called Brother Saul. He's already received Jesus. So what does this baptized mean? It means he was baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit. Turn with me over to Acts chapter 10. Here's the fourth of the five examples. Acts chapter 10 tells us about a certain man named Cornelius in the city of Caesarea who's praying one day and an, an angel appears to him and tells him to go send to, to Joppa for a certain man named Peter who will come down and tell him what he ought to do. So he sends word, sends a messenger down to get Peter to the place where the angel told him to go. In the meantime, Peter has had a vision from the Lord. He doesn't understand what the vision is, but there's a vision where God is trying to get across to him that he's cleansed the Gentiles through the, the blood of Jesus just as much as he's cleansed the Jews. So Peter winds up going down there. Here's the story about the vision. And so Peter starts preaching to the crowd. He tells them about Jesus. It's that great verse in verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. Who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. Told him other things about Jesus' life and his ministry and his, uh, his resurrection from the dead. Verse 44. While Peter yet spake these words. Words about Jesus. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision, Peter didn't go by himself. He knew he was going to get in trouble for going to the Gentiles. So he took other Jewish believers with him, members of the, of the respected members of the Jewish community. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because 
that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Notice how it's referred to, the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, how do they know? For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized? Now, clearly he's talking about water baptism now. Now that they've been saved, now that they've been filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, why not baptize them? Why not baptize them in water? And so they do. Acts chapter 19 is the fifth example. Starting in verse 1, And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed to the upper coast, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? This indicates to me that Paul recognized there's something missing here. He finds people that are disciples. These are people that are interested in God, but there's something that's not right. Maybe Paul had a witness in his heart. Maybe there was something that just didn't sit right with him. But anyway, he said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? So what does it tell us? It tells us, number one, that Paul accepted that these people were saved. He assumed that they were saved. But he, he wondered whether or not they'd received the Holy Spirit, which shows us that Paul understood that there were two experiences salvation and the baptism of the Holy Spirit so he says have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed and they said we've not even never heard of we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost then Paul says under what then were you baptized and they said under John's baptism now here again you can readily see what's going on if you're baptized in the name of Jesus Jesus said to baptize in water in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit so if you're baptized into Christ then more than likely you're going to have heard of the Holy Ghost. So when they say, we've never heard of the Holy Ghost, Paul says, wait a minute, I've made a wrong assumption here. What are you baptized unto? You can't be baptized into Christ and not having heard of the Holy Spirit, can you? That would be an unusual situation. So he says, under what are you baptized? They said, well, we are, we're baptized into John's baptism. He says, oh, okay, now I understand why it seemed like there was something missing. You folks aren't even saved. Your heart's in the right place, but you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. Which tells us that interest in God doesn't save you. John told the right things. He said, there's one coming after me that I'm not worthy to tie his shoelaces. But that doesn't get you saved. Knowing that the Messiah is coming doesn't get you saved. Which means the Jews are in a mess. Which means the Jews are as unsaved as the world. Just because they believe that there's a Messiah coming, that's the same as John's baptism. Peter says, or Paul says to them, Then said Paul, verse 4, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, so he's telling them about Jesus. He's telling them about Jesus coming to the earth, about his ministry, about his crucifixion, his resurrection, and so forth. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Again, it's not talking about water baptism. It's talking about being baptized in the family of God. They accepted the, the, the things that Paul said about Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, and as a result, entered into the family of God. They confessed Jesus as their Lord. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, here's a separate thing entirely. When Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Ghost came on them. How do we know? And they spake with tongues and prophesied, and all the men were about twelve. Now those are the five experiences, five different occurrences where the Bible tells us that somebody in the New Testament was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, obviously, there were many more experiences. There were many more occasions. But these are the five that the book of Acts tells us about. Now, I want to talk to you this morning real quickly 
about five things you need to know about the Holy Ghost. Five different things that you need to know about the Holy Ghost. Number one, the Holy Ghost is a gift. Please notice that not a one of these situations did anybody, was anybody instructed or was it necessary for them to tarry or wait or clean themselves up. He's a gift. The Holy Spirit is a gift. It's called the gift. He's spoken of as the gift of the Holy Spirit. The infilling of the Holy Ghost is always called, talked about the gift of the Holy Spirit. Salvation is talked about the gift of Jesus. God has given us his, his, his Son as the eternal gift of God. So those are two things, two different ways that it's spoken of. The point, the first point that you need to see is that the Holy Ghost is a gift. If he's a gift, then that means any child of God, that brings us to point number two, the Holy Ghost can be received by any and every child of God because he's a gift. Luke chapter 11, I want to start reading in verse, well, better back up to verse 9. Jesus said, And I say unto you, Ask, and you, it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone, everybody say everyone. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. And here's the example that he uses about to prove that point. He said, If a son asks bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Well, certainly the answer is no. Or if he asks for a fish, will he instead of a fish give him a serpent? Well, of course not. That wouldn't be good for him. And then he says, or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Now notice the three things that are spoken of in, in, uh, uh, that Jesus says, would a father give him this instead? A stone, a serpent, and a scorpion. All three of those things represent, Jesus, uh, represent the devil or unbelief, some characteristic of the devil. And Jesus is simply saying, if a father is asked by his son for any of these things, will he, instead of what he's asked for, give him anything that would be harmful to the son? Of course not. The answer is certainly no. Then Jesus said, if you then, being evil, the word evil just simply means natural, human, carnal beings. If you then, being natural parents, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more, how much more, Shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Now, what is he saying? Well, there's a couple of things you need to see here. Number one, some people have said, and I've heard this said in denominational circles, well, you've got to be careful when you get around those people that believe in the Holy Spirit. Got to be careful. Because I've known of people, and of course, I've never known of anybody. I've never found anything that can be verified along this line. But I've always heard the story. I've known of people that have asked for the Holy Ghost and gotten something from the devil. Jesus said there's no way you could ask God for the something for the Holy Ghost and get something that is characteristic of the devil. In other words, the Holy Ghost won't, give, won't make you heart of heart. That's what the stone represents. You can't get something that represents the serpent or the scorpion, which is the devil himself. It's impossible. But I'll tell you this, in my experience, it's fear that keeps most denominational people out of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's fear the devil. Oh, well, you just never know. Well, Jesus said you do. Jesus said, here's how it works. And the example that he uses, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, if you're smart enough to know that if your son asks you for something good, you don't give him something bad, if you're that smart, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask you? Jesus told his disciples that after he went away, that he had sent the Comforter, the Helper, to be with us forever. The Helper abides in you and me, 
as children of God. Rely on Him today. Thanks for watching. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Those five things will help you get somebody filled every time. Those five things will cause you to be filled. Those five things. Folks, it's not a hit and miss thing with God. It's an absolute every time. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.